Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, and with me, co-hosting, as always, is Charles Chuck Thompson. What's up, man? How was your weekend? The co-hostess with the mostesses. We were just talking about the movie Tenet, which Charlie went and saw this weekend, and... I love Christopher Nolan movies. I, I always go see them. We're actually doing this podcast in reverse today. We are. I don't yeah. know if you guys... You actually have to listen to it in reverse. Typically, Good Morning Liberty's in the afternoon, and today we're doing it in the morning. Everything's and so, backwards. Yeah. yeah we're, and if you play it backwards, it'll say something about the devil coming to haunt you and kill you. Yeah, we are in the inverted Good Morning Liberty side yes. right now, and so that's what's happening. We're, yeah. we're in inversion, so we're, we're before noon, which, right. is, which is weird. Exactly. For a show called Good Morning Liberty. And if you can understand this, yeah. You know? Yeah, but sounds exactly. I, I picked up exactly what you were stepping <laughs> in right there. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But anyway, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. You were smelling what I was throwing. Yes. <laughs> what you were putting down. Yeah. Smell what you were putting down exactly. right there. Uh, Tenants, you didn't like it, you said. Disappointed. I was just, it was, I was disappointed. The concept is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I understand the concept, like the whole forward and backwards thing. I just thought the plot was dumb. Yeah, I thought he, uh, same as you, I thought the concept was really cool. And I thought they did, I actually thought he did a terrible job uh, executing that concept. Yeah. I thought he could have done a little bit, a little bit better. But He's just resting on his Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. You don't want to rest on your Lawrence. Don't rest on your Lawrence. Yeah. At all. But anyway, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. Y'all, first and foremost, we are against death. Okay. Mm -hmm. We don't like it. We don't like, uh, we don't like death. We're anti death, actually. Founding members of Antita over here. And so, obviously, big news over the weekend is that Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed from, I believe, pancreatic cancer complications involving that and the fact that she was about 143 years old. Yeah. And so... I, 87, actually, I think. Yeah, 87. Yeah, sorry. But she had cancer four times. Jeez. Yeah. So she had she she waged a courageous, courageous battle yeah. four times. But at the end, she lost her battle. Right. That's... Man, I and hate it, it is sad. Happens. Like, look, this is... So we talked about this being an inverted episode, which is true. <laughs> The other thing is, this is going to be a very somber episode at the beginning. So somber. Yes. It's a somber, solitude of moment. Yeah. How many um, old jokes am I allowed to make today? Well, um, according to uh, the PC culture, none. None. Okay. According to us, all of them. All right. Well, I'm, all, I'm already minus one then. Okay. <laughs> all of them. Uh, yeah, Marisa's wondering if she counts as a COVID death. Um, sure, she does. Well, we'd have to ask the CDC about that. But. I keep waiting for them to release, like, say, a few weeks before the election that she actually did die from COVID, something like that. We'll yeah. see. I don't know. Well, and as you mentioned, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast, a place where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning, which we can actually use this situation to talk about how you pursue a life of meaning because... Guys, I'm going to tell you something. Life sucks. It does. <laughs> yeah. There is like, there is so much suffrage in the world. And this is something I think Jordan Peterson is really good at talking about. Whatever you think of him, regardless of what you think of him, 
He's very good at articulating the message of how hard life is and then combating the the willing or the the desire, combating the desire to not want to do anything because, well, life is hard and what's it going to matter, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we're against death, as Nate mentioned, and in being for life and liberty and pursuing that meaning you know, you have to ask yourself, what, what's my reason to get out of bed every single day? If I'm going to die in the end anyway, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg or, or anyone else, like think of all these celebrities we've lost in the last couple of years, Robin Williams and, and all kinds of like just amazing people that lived amazing lives who we lost to death, mm. unfortunately, because that still exists. A lot of people lost to death, but they spent their whole lives pursuing meaning. I mean, I disagree with um with our rbg the notorious rbg the notorious yeah. rbg i disagree with her a lot on a lot of things um and so does scalia mm-hmm. in it but she pursued a life of meaning and and was able to serve the highest court in the land for what was it like 26 years 28 years something like that and she pursued a life of meaning despite the fact that she was gonna die yeah and i think that's what's so important um, in this now, she did some good things, I would say for, for women's issues. So I think that we could talk a little bit about that, but if that sounds interesting to you at all, pursuing that life of meaning and regardless of whether or not you're going to die, cause we all are, uh, what can you do with your life meaningful that will leave a lasting impact as the notorious RGB, uh, yeah, RBG, RBG um, has done. Yeah despite the fact that she unfortunately uh, passed away. So if that sounds interesting to you, then you should probably smash that subscribe button. Hit that follow. I mean, we have people just smashing it every single day. They are. We get mm-hmm. insurance claims for phones all the time due to the smashing of the button. And what do you know about insurance? Denied. Yeah, just denied, denied. automatically. <laughs> okay. We got our own cell phone carks and rocks over here. If you don't know what that is, go back and listen to previous episodes talking about <laughs> healthcare. All right. So anyway... My my goal for this episode is not to really uh, not to disparage or support RBG or any of the things that she did or did not do. I think we pretty much come down uh, about the same way. I think she she was on the right side of some good things, and I think she was on the wrong side of some some things as well. And that that doesn't matter. She's she's gone, and what matters is where we go from here. And where we go from here looks like just absolute chaos is is what it looks like right now. I don't know if you saw things around the country over the weekend. Yeah, it's not. I mean, there's ha- just look at hashtag RBG riots. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there's already things breaking out. It's not looking good. If you thought that this election could not get any crazier, uh, think again. Okay, Ch- check your premises. Mm-hmm. You definitely. You're definitely going to see a much more chaotic couple months than yes. than you could have even imagined, and it and was already going to be terrible. You'll see hypocrites on both sides. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Speaking the- speaking of hypocrites, <laughs> I mean, you have to you have to talk about the fact that uh, I, they dismissed the hypocrite the the hypocrite oath. Yeah, <laughs> the hypocritic oath. Yeah. <laughs> You have to talk about the fact that in 2016, was it was it Scalia that died? That's in, right. In 2016. Antonin Scalia. And, of course, the, the Republicans were talking about how Obama should, should not 
nominate anyone because it was too close to the election. And McConnell did, uh, they did block, I believe it was, um, the, oh crap, what was his name? Garland. Garland, Merrick mm-hmm. Garland was his name. And they... Uh, you see here, uh, Obama, uh, <laughs> well, you're a lame duck, okay? Uh. <laughs> the Senate will not be confirming Justice Merrick Garland. And, and so this is the problem when you don't have any principles, because now you get into this point and people are like, oh, yeah, Trump should definitely put someone in. He's still got plenty of time. They can get it done beforehand. And this is the issue. When when you, you don't do things based on principles, you do it based on politics. Mm-hmm. You run yourself into looking like a hypocrite all the time because you are. And boy, do I have a surprise for you. You're never going to believe what I'm what I'm going to read to you here in a second. OK. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. You want me to start now? Go ahead. Because there's there's more hypocrites hypocrites on the other side too and y'all know my brother Mm. i've talked about him plenty he considers himself a libertarian socialist now and you just see i just see the growth Mm -hmm. and i i smile as if he's my own son (laughs) you know he is your older brother (laughs) he's my older brother i just you know you plant those seeds and you just watch them blossom and you know, a lot of times there'll be a bunch of roundup on it and you're like, ugh, gross. And then, you know, but you watch it start to bloom and you're just like, this is so awesome. This yeah. is so awesome. Now, of course, he's still a staunch liberal and uh, obviously doesn't want Trump to nominate anybody. But two days ago, him and I have been talking about this and he goes, he posts this on his Facebook wall. He says, listen, guys, it really doesn't effing matter what we want. You have to somehow convince four Republicans to switch switch sides, and there's just about zero chances of that happening. Once again, Republicans will hijack democracy and do whatever they want unchecked. And that is, here's the best part right here, and that is, at least in part, on the Democrats for invoking the nuclear option for appointments under Obama in 2013. It was incredibly short-sighted then, and now they've given the highest court in the land to effing Donald Trump for the next 20 years. I can't believe he said that. So pointing back to, um, oh, I can't remember old dude's name, but basically getting rid of the filibuster as being a big, it, a big issue. Was it Chuck Schumer who was no, in control? No, it was a real old dude, not there anymore. Um, who was in control of the, who was the Senate I can't, majority. Man, can't remember his name. Anyway, if anyone can help us out on that. It was let, in 2013, I know that. Yeah, if anyone can help us out in the live group, let us know. So let's let's explain real quick how this all works, because a lot of people think that you need a supermajority to confirm, um, to confirm an appointee. Let's talk about the basics, what the Constitution says, and all of that. So in Article 2, Section Harry 2. Harry Reid, thank you, Maurice. It was Ooh. Harry Reid, that's yeah. right. So Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2, just says uh, basically that the Senate... Um, essentially confirms the appointee. Uh, it's the advice and the consent of the Senate. Okay. Now that is done by a simple majority. So you only need 51 votes to confirm an appointee. Now there are procedural rules in the Senate and the house of representatives. And these procedural rules govern how the, the Senate operates. Okay. And there's a filibuster rule. So if you want to delay a vote or if you uh, don't think your point's been heard and you want to try to, it, it's almost like a check against the simple majority. You want to filibuster. Rand Paul's done this several times. 
Lots of people have done Ted this. Ted Cruz did it on Obamacare, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Ted Cruz yeah. did it. Um, well, to, to end a filibuster and get to a vote, that does take a supermajority. You have to have at least 60, okay, to end the filibuster. Well, in 2013, what was happening is there the Republicans were trying to block a lot of Obama's federal court judge picks. And so they were filibustering. And the Democrats were getting fed up with that. And so they were like, well... Let's change the rule on filibuster to where we can end your filibuster with a simple majority instead of the the majority, uh, the the super majority, just a simple majority. So now they ended they ended the Republicans filibusters with 51 votes. And so in 2013, the Democrats set that precedent of doing that. Now, they didn't do it for the Supreme Court. It was just for everything lower. But because they did that now, all of a sudden, the Republicans have that same option to invoke what they call the nuclear option to end fili- to end the filibuster at a simple majority <laughs> rather than requiring the 60 votes necessary to end the filibuster. And so I, I ultimately think that Trump's uh, Trump's going to make a pick and I ultimately think it's going to get confirmed. Yeah. And I think the, the Republicans are going to just be like, screw you guys. And just so you know, I'm now we're going to talk about the power of the Supreme court. We're going to talk about the politics that's going on before this and then we're going to talk about the power of the Supreme Court just to get my opinion out there. And I don't know what yours is. I think that Trump is the president and the president has the power to appoint a Supreme Court justice. And the Senate has the power to confirm that justice. Yeah. I mean, and the Constitution says nothing about in your last year of your presidency. Do you not no. get do you not get to appoint? And and so that's my that's my issue where people say, well, there's only two months until the election. We have to wait. And where well, does he's that, president until January twentieth? Where does that line? Where does that line get drawn? That's what that's what I really want to know is where does that line get drawn? Because are you saying that in the last year of a president's term that they're that they don't exercise presidential powers? They're no longer that, commander in chief. So is it actually a three year term? And then when the election starts, they're no longer able to execute their presidential powers. That principle just doesn't really hold up. And it didn't hold up in 2016 when the Republicans were saying that Obama did not need to push through Merrick Garland either. Now, I don't know everything about that person or about that time or what exactly was going on. Um, but the, the hypocrisy, the hypocritical part here is actually just the part that the president is still the president and they are able to nominate the justices and the Senate is able to confirm them. And we still have a government right now that has that power. And just because there is an election coming up, you, there's nothing saying that you have to wait until that election is over. Now it might be uh, against the decorum or the precedent or, or uh, and, you know, things like that the tradition but the i don't i don't care i don't really care whether or not it is you're you still have the power so so anyway that's that's where i'm at on is that where you're at on yeah. it okay yeah all right so shows uh, that's it this is so <laughs> let's go through a couple of the political things going on and i'm not really seeing any legal backing for any of this kind of stuff but actually charlie go ahead with the first thing from from uh, hillary clinton who yeah. was on meet the press over the weekend. This is, uh, I don't remember, this is coming, I guess, from Meet the Press. Um, I don't know where this article is coming from, but that's okay. Uh, here is the title. Here, Trump's decision to fill Supreme Court seat is just, is based on a, quote, lust for power, says Hillary Clinton. 
In response to a softball tossed by Meet the Press host Chuck Todd, not as cool as Chuck Thompson, <laughs> about the judicial confirmation <clears throat> system being broken, Clinton, of all people, accused Trump of a lust for power or cash. Quote, the system has been broken for quite a while, but clearly the decision that Mitch McConnell made back in 2016 in the midst of that presidential election, but at a much earlier time when Justice Scalia unexpectedly passed away, is what should be the standard now, Clinton claimed. How did she know Scalia passed away? What? Oh. How did she know that he passed away so soon? I don't soon? know. I don't well, know. You know, could have been, been the Clintonites. I don't know. <laughs> Quote, you know what's happening in our country is incredibly dangerous. Our institutions are being basically undermined by the lust for power, power for personal gain in the case of the president or power for institutional gain in the case of case of Mitch McConnell at the cost of ensuring that our institutions withstand whatever the political winds might be. But they made this decision back in 2016 and they should be held to account for it as if she would know uh, yeah. She would know everything about the lust for power. Speaking of hypocrites. Yeah. that's <laughs> Clinton also claimed without evidence that Trump's judicial nominees, many of whom recommended by the Federalist Society, want to turn uh, want to turn back the clock on civil rights. What? What? I haven't seen really anything about the Supreme Court looking to turn back the clock on civil rights. No. In any way. The I think the the biggest thing a lot of people are worried about is Roe versus Wade and whether or not something comes up to the Supreme Court again and it's stacked with conservative judges. Where is it going to go? And, uh, you know, my wife asked me about that this weekend and my response was, now, listen, we don't, I don't have a really strong political opinion on abortion. My response was Roe versus Wade is a BS court ruling that that is basically taking a little technical uh, a, a little bit of a technicality on abortion when it comes to privacy and using the Fourth Amendment. It's really not talking about whether or not uh, unborn children have rights or whether or not it's it's right to do that. Like it's to me, it's kind of a BS court case. Yeah. To to go back on for abortion all the, the four, time. The Fourteenth Amendment. Yeah. So so you don't have a dog in the woods on that one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know the thing. <laughs> So, yeah, it's, I just put that in there because it's really funny to hear Hillary Clinton talking about the lust for power. And and then at the end of her quote where she said they made this decision back in 2016 and they should be held to account for it. Well, what was your political party saying back in 2016 yeah, right. when your president was trying to nominate a Supreme Court justice? Or what did your party do in 2013? So, like, don't pretend like you think what the Republicans were saying in 2016 was the the true and principled way to go about this. And so therefore we should do that right now. Yeah. That's the problem with all them, with all them, they're hypocrites. All That's them crazy. hypocrites. Okay. So let's run through some more of this. Cause I really want to get to the power of the Supreme court. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I wanted to say though, is you've had, you know, John Roberts uh, join the liberal side who was appointed by George Bush. Mm -hmm. uh, Clarence Thomas has before as well. Um, and then you've had Elena Kagan, uh, side with the Republicans, yeah. Let's so to speak. I don't like calling justices liberals or conservatives, but you see them join certain sides on certain issues, whatever it may be. Um, but the leading candidate um, for that Donald Trump is picking, I'm actually, um, I'm actually kind of excited. Um, Who is it? I haven't even seen. It's uh, her last name is Barrett, I believe, and um, she. He's definitely going to pick a woman. That's what he said. 
that that I hate so, that already. I yeah. really wish, you know, I just wish you'd be like Judge Knapp. Right. You do it. <laughs> now, of course, Judge Knapp said that Trump could be, could and possibly should be impeached, I believe. So Trump is not going to, to go with that. But. Yeah. Um, and what I like about Barrett is, um, let's see here, Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, she's currently serving as in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit uh, in Indiana, I believe. Um, and what I like about her is her first gig out of law school was she clerked for Antonin Scalia. Okay. And she's believed to be a protege, basically, of Scalia. She's an originalist. Um, and so she interprets the Constitution in its original language, just like Scalia did. Original intent. And original that. intent and nice. everything. So um, I, I actually really like her. I think we could use another Scalia on the court. Yeah, I'll have to look, I'll have to look into her. I, I really haven't looked at all. I saw one news story saying that the person Trump picked was uh, fighting, it had something to do with uh, colleges and basically the rights of people who were being accused of sexual assault and stuff on college campuses. Mm -hmm. Is that her? No. Okay. Everyone's really upset about this woman because she's a devout Catholic and she has said before at a speech like, I don't know, 20 years ago that she believes life begins at conception. Gotcha. So that's okay. what everybody's upset about. All right. Okay. So Ginsburg Supreme Court, Trump plan and abuse of power, says Joe Biden. This is from BBC. Donald Trump's move to replace the late Supreme Court Justice, RBG, before the presidential election is an abuse of power, his Democratic rival Joe Biden says. <laughs> this is where it, someone tell me what the abuse of power. He's literally the did president. You, did still. you see Trump last night at a rally say that uh, Joe Biden can't be your president? And then he said, I'll sign an executive order. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> He's like, I'll sign an executive order saying he can't be your president. <laughs> <laughs> oh god of course everybody's making fun of him i think it was a joke but it was still really funny trump has said he will nominate a woman to replace a long-standing liberal justice told you i i hope that the woman that he picks is the best person available for the job that's all i will say i don't have anything against it being a woman or a man i want it to be the best available person for right. the job why does it have to be that distinction yeah i don't know uh, Mr. Biden has urged Senate Republicans to delay a confirmation vote. vote. Ginsburg, a liberal icon and feminist standard bearer, died on Friday, age 87. The appointment of judges to the Supreme Court is a political decision in which the president chooses who is put forward. The Senate then votes to confirm. Democrats for Republicans will vote to lock in a decades-long conservative majority on the country's highest court. The ideological balance of the nine-member court is crucial to its rulings on the most important issues in U.S. law. We'll talk more about that here in a second. Uh, Biden said on Sunday, the president had made clear this is about power, pure and simple. <laughs> Quote, the United States Constitution allows Americans the chance to be heard and their voice should be heard. They should make it clear they will not stand for this abuse of power. What? <laughs> still <laughs> they voted for him in 2016. They still. Uh, That's. I'm still not hearing it. Oh, okay. I appeal to those Senate Republicans. Please follow your conscience. Let the people speak. Cool the flames that have been engulfing our country. Especially in California. Uh, Biden said that if he won the presidential election, <laughs> Trump's, to get yeah, <laughs> Trump's nominee should be withdrawn. He said he would then consult senators from both parties before putting forward his choice. And so anyway, I'm, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still not getting. Wait, read the next one first. Uh, which one? Like if he became president, read the next sentence. He has not named any potential nominees, but said his first choice will make history as the first African-American <laughs> woman on the court. Of course. 
So elect me as your president so I can put the first African-American woman on the court. The politics. Yeah. The, the politickery yeah. is just getting insane. Ma'am, uh, two Republican senators, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, have backed the delay in the vote. And Maine Senator Collins said she had no objection to the process of reviewing a candidate beginning now, but she did not believe the Senate should vote on the candidate prior to the November's election. Which uh, I don't think they would get to that vote anyway. Alaska Senator, they they could if they really speed it up. Yeah. But um, we'll, we'll see. Alaska Senator Murkowski said she did not support taking up nomination eight months before the 2016 election and believed the same standard must apply now. So at least she's being sticking to what her principle was in 2016. She said, I didn't support Obama nominating someone eight months before the election in 2016. Therefore, I can't support Trump nominating someone less than two months before the election right now. So that's actually a good reason. I would say. Yeah. Well, it's a stupid reason, but it's a good job being at least following your past decisions. Yeah, at least being consistent. <laughs> yeah. You should have not been that way in 2016. All right, guys, we got to break in here real quick to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com slash GML. I'm telling you, there is no better time to take care of your mental health in this year, 2020, the pandemic. There have been many, many reasons that you need to speak with a counselor, and there's there's no shame in it. I'm, I'm telling you right now that I use BetterHelp, and it's absolutely amazing. I can schedule a video call, I can schedule an audio call, or I can even just text and chat with my counselor if anything pops up where I am feeling down and out. And, and talking about your feelings, it's scientifically proven, I'm telling y'all. Talking about these types of things, you can't or you shouldn't handle it on your own. I'm somebody who tried to do that and it makes things worse. So in my own personal experience, I'm telling you, there's no shame in talking to someone. And now there's never been a better time to do it. Yeah, BetterHelp's really cool. If you just go to betterhelp.com slash GML, they'll actually match you with a therapist that meets your needs. They're licensed. They're professional. They'll go through a questionnaire on there and they've got a lot of different therapists on the app, on the website. There is an app also and on the website where they'll match you with the person that suits your needs. And you can even, you can choose between people that are available. Uh, and it, it's just a really cool thing. So you can start talking to someone and in less than a day, you know, this is professional counseling. Like Charlie said, you can text, you can call, you can do all this stuff. It's so much cheaper than actually going in to an office somewhere. Trust me, I, I've done it before. And BetterHelp is a much better deal for talking to a counselor. So if you're dealing with uh, depression or stress or anxiety, I'm dealing with anxiety all the time, just sitting around worrying about stuff all the time. If you're in a relationship that needs some work if you can't sleep i check off a lot of these actually the now that i now that i read through the list um hold on i'm just gonna make my account on better help here real quick <laughs> good thing so, you signed up yeah that's a good good thing that, that we actually get to read for them now when i saw that we were going to read for them i was really pumped about it because i'd heard about them before it's uh something that i've used before and it's something that i have no problem recommending to people whatsoever. So guys, BetterHelp is, they're growing so fast that they're hiring new counselors in all 50 states. We want you guys to start living a happier and more meaningful life today. As a listener of this show, you guys get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash GML. Join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health again. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 
GML. You know, this is all a product of something we have talked about for a long time. And Nate, you've made a really good point about this is that what the fear that the liberals have right now um, is they're afraid of who's in power. Mm-hmm. They're not afraid of the power because when their president had it, when the guy that they liked the most was involved, then they had no issue whatsoever doing all kinds of things, uh, invoking the nuclear option to get what they wanted done. But now that that power has shifted to someone they don't like, now they want to pull out all the stops to make mm-hmm. sure that they can try to prevent it from happening. When in real, the real problem is the power, folks. It's the power that you've given, that we have freely given these government officials, the court and all kinds of things, because we're going to be talking about what the Supreme Court actually does. And the fact that we've given them this power, um, you know, that's what that is what you should be afraid of, not who's in charge of it. It's the actual problem. It's the actual problem. This is just this is just symptoms. This is the comorbidity. It, it is. This is the pre-existing of, condition of, of the Supreme Court. Of the nation. Of the of the entire federal government <laughs> yes. right here. Okay, tell me about this story here. About- Which that, that's what I was going to say. That leads into this next story because you have these people freaking out, man. They're freaking out. And uh, this headline is just hilarious. This is coming from the Daily Wire. Thanks, Ben. Um, Ocasio-Cortez. This might qualify for dumb bleep, too, by the way. Yeah. Ocasio-Cortez, quote, we must consider impeaching Trump bar to stop SCOTUS nomination. He's already impeached. This is. You already did it. He's already. I can't impeach him any further. He's already impeached. <laughs> he's impeached currently right now. You have an impeached president sitting there. Now, the only problem is, what do you think? You're going to impeach him again for this. And then you think the Senate is going to confirm yeah. that Senate's magically going to confirm the impeachment before the election on executing his duty. There's no, there's nothing stopping him from nominating anybody. Oh man! Right, AOC said during a press conference on Sunday that Democrats must be open to all options in their attempts to stop President Donald Trump and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell, from filling the Supreme Court seat that was vacated last week. Congresswoman, you mentioned being open to all ideas to buy time. A reporter said to Ocasio Cortez, "Would you be in support of potentially reviewing? Would you be in?" Uh, potentially reviewing talks of impeachment hearings, either against the attorney general or the president, which would do what? Uh, basically, it's the buy time. It's to slow down the the whole process so they can't get through the confirmation fast enough. Yeah, which I don't I don't really know where that's going to be. It starts sense. in the House of Representatives. Yeah, that's so the thing. It's going to start with the matter. House. The House. I don't know if the House has anything to do with the confirmation of the they don't. Supreme Court justice. Just so the Senate. I don't know what this would have. In, I, don't, I don't know why this would have to do with anything, it honestly. Yeah, okay. Nothing to do with anything. Nothing nothing, nothing, right, exactly. okay. Quote, well, you know, I think in her <laughs> voice, I believe that certainly there has been an enormous amount of law breaking in the Trump administration. I believe that Attorney General Barr is unfit for office and that he has uh, pursued potentially law breaking behavior. Ocasio-Cortez claimed. That being said, these are procedures and decisions that are largely up to House Democratic leadership, but I believe that also we must consider, again, all of the tools available to our disposal and that all of these options should be entertained on the table. So technically, she didn't say that they should impeach him, but she did say that at the, every option. Yeah, in the the question about potentially reviewing talks of impeachment hearings, 
<laughs> she said that we must consider all of the tools available to our disposal. And the the issue is this this exactly goes back to why I didn't support the impeachment to begin with. Uh-huh. She just said we must consider all the tools available to our disposal. And impeachment is is not a it's not a, a political tool that you're supposed to use to damage the person that's in power. You're supposed to find whether or not they broke laws and get rid of them if they if they committed if they're guilty of high crimes and misdemeanors mm-hmm. and whether or not they can actually stay in office. And instead, they decide that they can just use it as a political weapon. And that's why I didn't like the impeachment to begin with in the first place, because I felt that it was just a political weapon that they were using. Not that I don't think Trump's done anything illegal, but when things are done, I want them to be done based on the proper principles. This is why I also, you know, we separated, deviated from the Libertarian Party standpoint on this because I don't just want to back people when they're doing things that we may or may not agree with right now if they're not doing it for the right principles. Right. So that it's been the same thing with all the protests and riots and things that we've had all over the country and whether or not you're going to support the, you know, a communist organization out there that's and the goals that they have simply because you have a stance that's against police a bulk of the time. Does that mean you need to support uh, communism to take down one person that you don't like? I don't think that that's a good plan, Libertarian Party. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, this brings us to what is the main topic for the show, which is the power of the Supreme Court. And I, I did a lot of reading over the over the weekend on judicial review. So the the commonly held belief, the commonly held understanding, is that the Supreme Court's job is to determine whether or not a law is constitutional or unconstitutional, and then they are the supreme law of the land. After that, after they determine something to be unconstitutional, that it strikes down that law. And they basically have the ultimate authority over the federal government. And somehow it's it's uh, simply not the case. It's actually not the case at all. And so I read through Article three in the Constitution, which, by the way, the Article three is like four paragraphs. Right. (laughs) Right. It's the whole thing. (laughs) It's what I what I like about that. So I I was reading through Article three in the in the Constitution and that says nothing nothing about judicial review whatsoever. It's, it's literally not in there. It's only a few paragraphs long, but it establishes the judicial branch of the federal government. Remember, we're supposed to have equal branches, you know, so we can have checks and balances. And we've always asked the question, would the founding fathers have put in place one branch of government that held the ultimate authority that had complete control over anything that happened in the country based on nine people who had life, uh, who could stay in that job as long as they were alive Mm -hmm. and that they would have ultimate authority over anything that was going on in the country, regardless of what Congress did, what the president did, anything like that. Does that sound like something that they would have written into the constitution? No, it sounds like an an oligarchy. Yeah. So you're, you're leaving the, all the ultimate decisions into the hands of nine lawyers. So, so you can, you can start off with with just that question to yourself. Like, no, doesn't sound like something that they would have done. Well, you can go now and look and see, is that is that what they did? And in fact, it's not. They just established the courts, and all the court is supposed to do is to determine 
to basically go through different cases and controversies is what they're supposed to go through when it when it isn't decided in the lower courts or it eventually makes it up to them. And they decide that based on that specific case and that controversy and the parties that are involved in that case. And in, in no way in the Constitution does it say that once they decide that case right there, it eventually makes it up to them, that it then strikes down everything else around the entire country that might have anything to do with this case whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That is not in the Constitution uh, at all. No. This actually came in. In fact, the Supreme Court <clears throat> issues opinions. That's it. That's literally, even the document says the opinion of the court. Yes, <laughs> it is their opinion. They are not the, the final lawmaker yeah. in, in any kind of way. They're not the ultimate arbiters. No, no, not at all. So we we came to this point in, it was actually 1803 that we came to this point in Marbury versus Madison. And that was the first instance of basically judicial review. Mm-hmm. So I was going to read through just a little bit of this is from constitutionality.us because the Supreme Court's use of judicial review is unconstitutional. (laughs) (laughs) That's the sad part. But they basically gave themselves this power through deciding a case and then that case being used as precedent later on. And they have they eventually just invented this power for themselves. Mm -hmm. It was not their power. They're supposed to decide a specific case. And then whatever they decide on that case, well, the, the authorities involved in that are supposed to respect the decision of that case. And, and, and that's it. So that's, that's very important to realize because we're having an issue here, uh, potential riots and impeachment and crazy stuff going on because there's a Supreme Court seat that's open and the person should not have this power to begin with. It's the same thing with the president. The president should not matter this much. This is not the way the government is supposed to be at all. They should not matter enough that you're going to wake up in the morning and worry about different people that are in power in the federal government. That, that is not a thought that should come into your mind. And we've, we've morphed into this due to uh, something that Hillary Clinton has pointed out, the lust for power. <laughs> I think this is something Jefferson and Hamilton <clears throat> argued about a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you go read the, the Federalist Papers, um, something that, I believe I believe it was Jefferson who uh, and some others who objected. Federalist uh, seventy eight. I was reading it. Um, I was reading it earlier, and Jefferson was obviously against this already. Yeah. And Hamilton, the father of big government, uh, was you know on, on the other side of this. So I was going to go through some of this uh, Supreme Court and judicial review. This is from Constitutionality.us. I put the link to it in the show notes there, Charlie. But it was uh, mm-hmm. too much to put in. Gotcha. It says the Supreme Court of the United States spends much, if not most, of its time on a task which is not delegated to the Supreme Court by the Constitution. That task is hearing cases wherein the constitutionality of a law or regulation is challenged. The Supreme Court's nine justices attempt to sort out what is and what is not constitutional. This process is known as judicial review. But the states, in drafting the Constitution, <laughs> did not delegate such a power to the Supreme Court or to any branch of the government. Since the Constitution does not give this power to the court, you might wonder how it came to be that the court assumed this responsibility. The answer is that the court just started doing it, and no one has put a stop to it. This is in going all the way back to 1803 when they decided this. 
This assumption of power took place first in 1974 when the Supreme Court declared an act of Congress to be unconstitutional, but went largely unnoticed until the landmark case of Marbury versus Madison in 1803. So 1794, actual first time they did it. Marbury is significant less for the issue that it settled, which was between Marbury and Madison, than for the fact that Chief Justice John Marshall used Marbury to provide a rationale for judicial review. Since then, the idea that the Supreme Court should be the sole and final arbiter of constitution- constitutionality issues has become so ingrained that, the most, that most people incorrectly believe that the Constitution delegated this power to the federal judiciary. It does not. Uh, under the Tenth Amendment, this is, reserved, this is a reserved power for the states. And so that is, that's pretty important. So it goes through Article 3, and Charlie, you can pick up in any of this that you want to. Mm -hmm. But Article 3, the Constitution provides for the establishment of a judicial branch of the federal government. And Section 2 of that article enumerates the powers of the Supreme Court. It's one of the great things about the Constitution are the enumerated powers that they put in there. Here are the powers. They're right there. Mm -hmm. Enumerated. Yeah. Section two, the judicial, Only these. the judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under this constitution, the laws of the United States, the treaties made or which shall be made under their authority to all cases affecting ambassadors and other public ministers and uh, whatever that word is. Can't read it to all cases of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction to controversies to which the United States shall be a party Controversies between two or more states, between state and citizens of another state, between citizens of different states, between citizens of the same state claiming lands under grants of different states, and between the state or the citizens thereof. <laughs> and, and, but the important part of this overall is that they decide that case. And there is nothing in the Constitution saying that after they, they decide that case, if it has to go all the way to the Supreme Court, that it now nullifies any of the laws around the country that may or may not have anything to do with that. Right. The, the states did not delegate that power to them. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I think that, I think that there, maybe there's been some things where they use this in a good way, I would say, but you see what it leads to here, which is just basically a lust for power. It leads to all kinds of corruption more than likely. And it leads to a, an oligarchy of nine, which is not in the constitution mm-hmm. at all. So what do we do about this, man? I don't know. It's, <laughs> um, I, you know, the original intent for Hamilton and it's understandable is that if you have conflicting laws, like say the Congress passes a law that you can't walk on the sidewalk and then, then they pass another one that says you can. And now you have two statutes on the books where no matter what you do, you're in violation of either one of them. Yeah. And so, I mean, he even says in, um, uh, what is this, Federal uh, Federalist 78, he says, if then the courts of justice are to be considered as the bulwarks of a limited constitution against legislative encroachments, this consideration will afford a strong argument for the permanent tenure of judicial offices, since nothing will contribute so much as this to that independent spirit in the judges, which much, much, uh, which, which must be essential to the faithful performance and so arduous of du- uh, a duty. So, what he's saying there is that, uh, and throughout Federalist seventy-eight and also um, Federalist eighty-one, um, he's what well, he's making the argument. Uh, that there can be times where 
states will violate people's natural rights. There are times where there can be conflicting statutes and then someone has to have, let's say the final say on that. What he didn't say is that once that final say between those two statutes is pointed out that the Congress can't make another law that would possibly <clears throat> violate that opinion. Uh, someone would have to challenge that it does violate yeah. uh, another statute. And I think that's the ultimate problem is we take what the Supreme court says as law essentially, and that it nullifies everything else that's out there, which is not true. Everything else needs to be challenged mm -hmm. to say, okay, does this actually viol violate the statute uh, or does it not? And basically what I've, what I know what I've said in the past is when they issue their opinion on something, to me, then it goes back to whether or not the local authorities or then even to the president or Congress, are, are they going to execute those laws? Are they actually going to continue to execute those laws? Are they going to decide not to? But there's nothing saying that when they issue this opinion that they are, they are forced. I don't know if the Supreme Court has a SWAT team. They may or may not. They probably do. They probably do. Let's just assume they <laughs> yeah. do. The post office has a SWAT team. Right. So and your local school district has I'm sure a SWAT they do. team. I went, what do you think they're going to do about all the job vacancies for RBG SWAT team? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, when they issue this, it is an opinion, and then it goes to the people who are actually executing those laws to decide whether or not they're going to do that, because then it comes up to the next election time, and you've got a person in power who has been executing the law that the Supreme Court issued an opinion saying was unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. And then the people can vote on that. Or the people can decide that they're not going to execute it. Or they can decide they're going to continue with those laws. And cases, those specific cases, can go all the way up to the Supreme Court as well. But if there is, a, if there is something that is uh, Smith versus Georgia, all that does is decide that case in Georgia for that person, whether or not the state wins or the person wins. And it doesn't have anything to do with California. And it doesn't have anything to do with any of the other states at all. Those states also have to take those to the Supreme Court. And that, that is really the way it should be. I'm going to read through some of the reasons here. This is the Constitution, not the Supreme Court, which is the supreme law of the land. Even the Supreme Court should be accountable for overstepping constitutional limits on federal power. Judicial review turns the Constitution on its head. The judiciary was created as the weakest branch, controlled by both the legislative and executive branches. Judicial review makes the judiciary master of both the legislature and the executive, mm -hmm. telling them both what they may and may not do. Given that it was the people in the states which established the Constitution, it is the states who should settle issues of constitutionality. The Constitution is a set of rules made by the states as to how the government should act. And here's another part of this real quick. This even reminds me of the problem with the 17th Amendment, where you the states used to just pick their senators it's the Senate who picks the people who are in the Supreme Court. And the Senate used to be made up of two representatives that the state legislature picked to go and to vote on those things. State. And so you would at least have a little bit closer representation when the Senate votes on the Supreme Court justices of the states themselves, the state's interests themselves, and not just the tyranny of the majority when it comes up to mm -hmm. this due to whatever senators got elected. So that would getting rid of the 17th Amendment would at least make this a little bit closer to the way it's supposed to be because the states would have more representation when voting on the Supreme Court. 
and people would not like this today at all because I believe there's a wide majority of states that are more conservative than than liberal, mm-hmm. I would say. So you would end up having the Senate, I believe, would have a massive conservative majority if those states all picked conservatives and the, the Democratic states all picked Democrats, if you could imagine that, that kind of a thing. Right. I don't know the process by which they would do that. But anyway... Um, the judicial review paradigm allows the government to make its own rules with no say by the original rule makers, the states. The Constitution was created by the states, and any question as to the meaning of the Constitution is rightly settled by the states. When you make rules for your children, do you permit your children to interpret your rules in any manner they like? Of course not. Yet the states are permitting that the federal government, the child of the states, do exactly that. Since the power of judicial review is not expressly granted to the Supreme Court by the Constitution, this power, per the Tenth Amendment, is reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. Which is another important thing. It's not explicitly enumerated as a power, which means it does defer to the states via the Tenth Amendment. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a great observation. Anything not specifically delegated to the federal government is left to the states and to the people. Yeah, So, but where I, so, you know, the only thing I see on that is let's say, let's say, um, well, we have it right now, right? So let's say Tennessee allows you to carry uh, and bear arms, right? And then you as a citizen travel to California and they don't allow you to do that. Yeah. You should still have that constitutional right, the natural right, really protected by the constitution to bear arms. And one state is not allowing you to do so. That is something that this is what Hamilton argued is that is something that the Supreme Court should decide. You should not. California should not allow or, or the, the, the federal government should not allow California to restrict a citizen's natural right to bear arms. And that's something that either the state of Tennessee or the individual could bring a, against the state of California. The one one thing I would say back to that is we've had this issue for a long time and you still can't carry in California. I know. So that's, you know, neither one are really fixing that problem. While you were saying that the only solution I could come up with in my head is that people who want their constitutional rights protected should stay in places where constitutional rights are protected. And if you know that constitutional rights aren't protected somewhere else and you're not being forced to go there, by any type of coercion. Now, I want the constitutional rights to be protected. We've had that conversation a, a lot. I do believe that's the job of the federal government. Well, it looks like a lot of people are leaving California. Yeah. <laughs> and and so they're going to go somewhere where their rights, whether they want to call them constitutional rights or not, they're going somewhere where more of their constitutional rights are protected. Yeah. And that, that might not be their reasoning, but that is where they're gravitating towards. And And so what I would say there is, we have to make the decision to say we like the fact that Tennessee protects this for us and I have to go to California. I would just say, well, I'm aware that the state of California is tyrannical and they do not protect my constitutional rights to do these things. And so I'm going to make a decision based on that, whether or not I'm going to go. What I would like to fix there is it's to me, it's the job of the federal government to, to protect people's constitutional rights. And so there's a whole other podcast there on how they're supposed to do that. If you have, you, uh, we can always use the easy extreme example, get rid of the second amendment. We'll say that, uh, Alabama legalizes slavery. I think that people will say it is the job of the federal government to come in and protect people's constitutional rights. 
in Alabama, whether or not the state of Alabama said that they wanted to legalize that. And so there's, I think people would get behind something like that. When you go to a second amendment thing, it gets a little bit more muddied. You got to kind of pick something that everyone would agree would be completely egregious, you know? Well, I think there the Supreme court can issue an opinion and they can issue a stay on that particular statute of California, let's say. And then the California legislator can be like, okay, well, we'll create something else and they'll create another law. And if it still restricts, then somebody has to challenge that all the way. If it has to make it to the Supreme court, all the way to Supreme court again, and the Supreme court could say it can issue a stay or could say, ah, no, we don't see anything wrong with that statute. Well, and that would be the thing. If it does go all the way up to the Supreme court, like if your ability to carry a gun in California goes all the way to the Supreme court and whether or not they're going to recognize your Tennessee carry permit or the fact that you need a permit. That's exactly what I was about to say. How about we talk about that for a second? Um, Whether or not they're going to actually listen to the fact that you have a carry permit. Well, that can go all the way to the courts and the highest court in the land. And they do issue a ruling. They are still a court and they do issue a ruling on, on a specific case. And the people who execute the laws involving that specific case right there, are supposed to listen to the laws involving that specific case. Mm -hmm. If they issue something on whether or not you should bake a cake and they say that you should not be forced to bake a cake, then the laws, then the people executing the laws in that jurisdiction do have to listen to the Supreme Court because in this specific case, they just ruled saying that you could not force that person to do that. So that is still how I would interpret that, that they do still decide those specific cases and those jurisdictions that are involved in that case do still have to listen to the highest court in the land that that went all the way up to. And uh, unless I'm getting that wrong, someone can let me know. What I'm saying is that does not extend out to every single jurisdiction in the entire country. It involves that case. Exactly, that statute. What we're talking about when it doesn't do that is precedent. And that is uh, basically what lawyers and judges will use to be lazy. (laughs) They can say, well, they did this over there, so we have precedent, and therefore we don't spend all the time and money to take this specific case all the way somewhere because, oh, look, they decided this. I'm pretty sure if I tell this guy that we have precedent, then he's going to say, well, I don't want to spend all the time taking this all the way to the Supreme Court because they, they issued a verdict on or an opinion on this already. So probably they're just going to issue the same opinion again So there's precedent on this. Therefore, I'm incentivized to not try and take this all the way up to the highest court in the land because it's going to take a lot of time and money to do that. Mm -hmm. And so when there's precedent, you defer to why would I take this back to the court? Because they've already issued an opinion on something that was exactly like this. And, And so that's where I think precedent comes in. And I think that's been morphed into precedent becomes the law for everything when I think precedent is actually just a an incentive structure for people's uh, wasting their resources, taking something back to a court. Well, and it's why I agreed with Scalia so much. And, and obviously the right now, the top choice uh, Barrett, because screw your precedent. Yeah. You, you're telling me that the, uh, the court made up of human beings can't make mistakes. Yeah. And if you interpret the, the originality and the original tent, the, the, the to be an originalist, Screw your precedent. What if they got it wrong? Exactly. You know, what if there's different people didn't on the, the court Didn't the Supreme now? Court uphold Jim Crow laws? Yeah. So didn't they get it wrong before? Screw your precedent. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I don't care if there's precedent. We're going to go back to court again yeah. because they got it wrong. 
Exactly. Okay? You can't say, well, every time that we found the guy's wife dead and there was a, and he owned a gun and there was a case where the guy's wife was dead and he owned a gun and circumstantially they found him guilty and sentenced him to death. Well, so, sir, your case has precedent. We're going to go ahead and just sentence you to death right. without taking this to court. Yeah. You know, that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. We'll you would still the, want to take your case to court. Exactly. We'll, <laughs> we'll save the we'll save the taxpayers a little bit of money. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Are you good on this? Yeah. I know we got to I know we got to end it. And we still did pretty much a full episode right there. It so, was. Y'all listen. And again, it is sad that Ruth Bader Ginsburg did die because we're against death. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, anybody out there cheering or championing that I think is despicable. Um, again, there are several things that I disagree with her on, um, but there's a lot of things I do agree with her on. And, and what I like the most about uh, Scalia said one time that you can have you know, fervent differences with somebody, but it doesn't mean that they can't be your friend. And he said, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is my friend. They had dinner together. They hung out together. They couldn't be more different in their opinions and their dissents against each other. Um, but, but human life is still human life and you shouldn't uh, praise anyone's death in, yeah. my, in my opinion whatsoever. So um, anyway, that's, that's my somber thoughts. Very somber about the, that situation. And then I also think, I mean, Trump's going to appoint someone and they're going to try to ram it through. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it could get worse. It'll be the fastest thing the Senate's ever done. What do they say? It has to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> I don't know if they will actually ram it through. I think both sides are going to see this as an opportunity to get out the vote. And I do think he'll obviously nominate someone and they'll start the process. But I don't think they'll actually confirm before the election because mm -hmm. I think they will want to hold that confirmation over to him winning the election. So if you don't vote for Trump, then Biden's going to get to nominate a new Supreme Court justice. And so I, I think it would only do a bad thing for Trump if they actually got it done before the election, because then there would be less people excited about getting out because I don't know who's next on the list uh, as far as age goes, but it could take a long time. RBG was nominated by Abraham Lincoln. So I mean, this could this could take quite a long time, yeah. Before before anyone else can actually come into those uh to those seats. So I I honestly don't think they will confirm anyone before the election. That would be a terrible. Uh, that would be a terrible political move. But I do think they'll be deep into the confirmation process. Yeah, for sure. I think it. Well, they're saying like the next twenty years. Um, because I can't remember, but I believe the 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 oldest appointed one now was appointed in 2000 by George Bush. Oh, um, so now it's all they're all in this decade. Or no, 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 they're still. What about Clarence? Uh, they're uh, they're still. Sorry, um, maybe it was uh, was it Elena Kagan that was um, Bill Clinton? Mm -hmm. I'd have to look. I don't um, know. I'd have to look at what the who's who's the oldest. Um, let me let see me if someone in the live group can tell us here real quick. quick. I just saw it. I literally was just on let's that see. page. Current members, John Roberts. Uh, let's see. 1955. Let's see. George W. Bush nominated him. In Claren 2005. Yep. Clarence Thomas born in 1948. He's 72. Uh, nominated by President Bush. Okay. And uh, Stephen Breyer. Never really hear a lot about him. Let's was nominated see. by Bill Clinton. Nominated He's by Clinton. 82. Okay. 82. All right. 
So, so Steven, yep. Uh, take your vitamins. All right. That's all I'm saying. You have Steven's 82. Um, Clarence Thomas is 72. Uh, Samuel Alito is 70. And then you have. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Thomas was in 1948. So he's actually the oldest one. Clarence Thomas? He's 72. He's and, 72. And um, Stephen Breyer's 82. Is he? Yeah. Born in, oh, 1938. Sorry, yeah. I saw that. I was reading a different one. Woo. Then you have Sonia, uh, Sonia Sotomayor. She was, uh, she's 66. And then the Chief Justice Roberts is 65. And then you have Elena Kagan is 60. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh is 55. And Neil Gorsuch, uh, 53. And Barrett is, I think, 48. So... Could be there for a while then. Could be there, yeah. I don't know if it's appropriate to say that the old 82-year-old Stephen Breyer is going to uh, kick it another 20 years. But, um, hey, with advances in modern science and his high-level income, mm-hmm. it's very possible. It's very possible. So, And I hope that he lives forever because I'm against death. Yeah, I'm so, against death too. Anyway, guys, if you're interested in learning how to day trade, go to mastermystonks.com. It is still Charlie's birthday month. It's Charlie's birthday week right now. On Friday, mm-hmm. we'll be having the Charlie's birthday spectacular. <laughs> and I guess that could be the day that we review Braveheart there's, because it's your birthday. <laughs> there's the Braveheart. Yeah, there's the Braveheart review on Friday. We'll do that. If you are interested in learning how to day trade, there are opportunities every single day. Opportunities. Opportunities every <laughs> single day, except for, you know, today the volume was so low and the gappers were not big. I just, I put out a, a post this morning saying, hey, I'm not going to trade today. Just, uh, you know, you, you got to be patient and you got to be disciplined. And I didn't like what I was looking at this morning. And even though I'm a day trader, it doesn't mean I have to trade every single day. It just means that the trades I do take are opened and closed in the same day. That's That's, right. that's what makes you a day trader. Mm-hmm. So anyway, if you are interested in learning how to read stock charts, what the what these strategies that we use every single day are, then go to mastermystonks.com. Use the promo code 20STONK to get 20% off for two months at mastermystonks.com. Go. Then sign up for that live group, y'all. Patreon.com slash Liberty. We have fun every single day of the week when we do the show. You guys make, uh, literally makes our day, honestly. We get to chat back and forth. Lots of hilarious things going on in the live group. So you want to get signed up for that. Patreon.com slash Liberty. It's only five bucks a month. And every little bit of that money goes into furthering the message of liberty. Because that's what we want. We don't want to fight over who the Supreme Court justice pick is. Mm-hmm. We just want to, we want the government to have less power and to support liberty in every way that we can my goal is for this podcast to no longer be necessary yeah we're gonna podcast ourselves out of a podcast i hope we talk ourselves out of a job someday that's my goal exactly for this all be a complete waste well that wouldn't be a waste sorry no that Uh, has lots of meaning to it but when it's ran its course and we have so much liberty just everywhere and it has rand rand its course when it's rand its course and when it's ayn rand paul it's (laughs) it's course then we will no longer need to talk about this. No. <laughs> Sign up, patreon.com slash Liberty, and then please share the show with your communist uncle, your dearest friend, and your long-lost husband. I don't know. <laughs> share, it. <laughs> share it with anyone you can think of. And uh, if you guys do all of that, leave us that rating review. We'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know uh, uh, 